Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. Glory be to God. How many excited to be in the house of the Lord? And how many are ready for the word this morning? Glory be to God. I will not stop to say and to, to, to recite Matthew 4, verse number 4. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now today, I want to, I want to share on, from, from the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 17, the whole chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but um, I want to, maybe we will just read verse number 32. Uh, it's the story of David when he went to fight Goliath. Uh, when David had to go and fight, um, when he had to go and fight Goliath, uh, I'm just going to read verse number 32, uh, but I'm going to be touching on a number of verses that are in the scripture. Thank you so much. And a number of verses that are in that whole chapter. Um, do you mind? Just, let's just read together from the screen. One to go. We'll go and fight him. Remember the background is we have a people, we have an army that has been standing in the battlefield for 40 days. We have an army that has been standing on the battlefield for 40 days. And the strategy of the battle was such that uh, a champion from one camp had to enter the actual battlefield and a champion from the other side, they had to enter inside and then the two had to fight. And the condition of the battle was that whoever wins, the army where he's coming from automatically wins. And if you lose in the battle, that means your people have also lost. But you know what? The sad part is not so much in losing, but it is in what you actually lose. Now, the challenge with this kind of battle was that if you lose, there was a price tag of slavery. To lose this kind of a battle, there was a price tag or there was a reward <laughs> of slavery. You're going to be rewarded by becoming a slave. But uh, a young boy called David, who is coming from tending his father's ship, he comes uh, on a mission not of joining the army, but on an assignment from the father to supply some uh, needs to the brothers, the three brothers who were in the battle or who were in the army, the three brothers of David who were Eli Eliab, first one, and the second was Ab Abinadab, and the third one who was called Shammah. And also to go back and give a report to, to his dad about the welfare of his brothers and when he came on the scene on a different mission he found the entire nation getting ready to go to the battlefield but they have been there for 40 days so from my own deduction according to the scripture I believe that David got on the 40th day when they were getting ready to go for another session not of fighting but another session of receiving insults 
Because for 40 days, Goliath entered the battle ring. And all he had to do was to dish out some insults. And as he went on on his daily routine of giving daily doses of insults to the people of Israel, the army of Israel would run and hide into the caves. Not because a stone has been thrown at them, but because words of insults. You know, words are so powerful such that they had to throw the army of Israel into caves, into hiding. But it took a young boy called David, full of the anointing and the grace of God upon him, when he saw the response of the army of Israel, David uh, made a resolution in his mind. And he made a decision that this cycle must come to an end. And I'm trusting God today that as I share the word of God, I want to awaken a David in you. A David who has a grace upon him of putting a stop or an end to a cycle of insults. Uh, am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? I'm not going to be here for a long time, so I want you to move with me. Uh, I'm trusting that there is a grace in you. There is a grace in you to fight uh, not just the physical battles, uh, but to fight the battle of words. Uh, but to fight the battle of words. Because for 40 days, Goliath was launching uh, the weapons of words. For 40 days, it was a battle of words. But it took a young boy called David who was willing to enter into the battle and put an end to this kind of an insult. So this morning, I want to challenge you with a message that I've titled, Enter the Arena. I want to challenge you this morning and I'm saying to you, enter the arena. Shake somebody who's next to you and say to them, enter the arena. Ah, you, you know, you know what? Do like you mean it. Uh, give more power to it. Give more power to it. Tell them, enter the arena. Because the challenge that we're having is that uh, we have the brothers of David uh, that are good at hiding, uh, that are good at responding to words by running away. Uh, but the battle needed one person uh, who had the courage to enter the arena and fight uh, Goliath. And I'm trusting God this morning and I'm believing God this morning for a David in you to be awakened, for a David in you to be quickened this morning so that you stop the business of becoming a spectator and a victim of Goliath's words. But I'm trusting God that this morning may you enter the arena. And you've got to remember and know that the, the, the consequence of, uh, of this kind of battle uh, is, is slavery, is slavery, is slavery, is slavery. You, you know what? Uh, the, the, there is a prize for not acting when you're supposed to act. Ah, can I repeat that in case you didn't, you didn't get it? There is a price to pay if you don't act 
when you are supposed to act. And for the rest of the army of Israel, they were paying the price for not having one person to act. So as I share on this message today, on you entering the arena, what I really want to bring to your attention this morning is that the battles of life, they, are, they, they, they demand courage to act. The, the battles of this life are in order for you to win the battles of life. You need the courage not just to speak, but you need the courage to act. Uh, because when I just make an observation in our Christian doma, especially nowadays, we have believers that are good at talking. Uh, if you hear them quoting the scripture in the church service, if you hear them uh, shouting the church, shouting and uh, and making the churchy slogans, uh, you, 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 you can almost be rest assured that yeah, I've got people that are fighters in here. Wait until an action is needed. Wait until uh, there is need for people to enter the arena. That's when you realize that we have got good talkers in the church but you know what the battle is not won by those who talk <laughs> because everyone can open their mouth and talk but when it comes to entering the arena and confront Goliath it demands courage to act when I'm looking at Goliath, I'm looking at a, at a, at a, at a system. It's more than a person when I'm looking at it. Goliath represents a system. A system of oppression and suppression. Now, in order to accomplish its mission, this kind of system, it, it, it regards someone as inferior. It regards you as worthless. No wonder why it's, it's, it's comfortable to use insults. Because it's through insults that this system will make you inferior. It's through insults that this system will make you feel worthless. It belittles you. It's a system that degrades you. It's a system that reduces you, but it uses words. It uses words. It uses words. Remember, we are dealing with the army of Israel. As a matter of fact, it's the army of God. We are dealing with people that are in a covenant with God. But when Goliath begins to speak to them, he belittles them to the point that they forget about the God who's on their side. It's a system that degrades you until you come to a point where you forget that greater is he who is in you than the one who is in the world. It's a system that uses words to belittle you until you don't register in your mind that you are a majority when you are with God. Do I have people that have been victims of words in the church? I don't know about you, but I'm one of them. As for me, I can actually lift two hands and I try to lift my legs as well. I've been a victim of words. I know the power of words in life. But I want you to understand this morning that what I'm sharing with you today, I'm saying you need the courage not to speak, but the courage to act. 
the courage to act the courage the courage to act the courage to act Goliath stood up and the Bible says he defied the armies of Israel he, he looked he looked down on them he played down on them he belittled them why was Goliath doing that Goliath was using the advantage of his physical stature to induce a dose of fear no wonder why many times in our lives when we see things that are big the moment we see things that that we can interpret with our own eyes and our own minds as big uh, many times fear tends to come in fear tends to what fear tends to kick in i'm saying to you the Goliath system uh, it's a system that uses the advantage of its physical stature it's a system that uses the advantage of its material things uh, because when the scripture introduced Goliath it 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 concentrated on the helmet of Goliath the shield that Goliath was wearing the cloth the coat that Goliath was waiting it concentrated on the shoes the kind of shoes that Goliath was wearing on so that when he steps into the battle arena when you look at him you are seeing a giant who is who, is, who has got the full armor to fight you and it uses the power of negative words and remember i said the chief goal of this system it is not just to make you a slave or a servant but you've got to understand that these people who were at war if they lost the battle it was not just them losing it was also the family who was back home who were going to lose it was the papas and the grandmas who were, go, who were back home who were also going to suffer the effects of what's happening in the battlefield and i'm saying to you enter the arena because the battle that you're supposed to fight i see if you win it then you are winning for many people but if you lose it i want you to understand that your children are going to lose if you lose this kind of a battle your parents are going to lose if you lose this battle the nation is going to become slaves of the Philistines so we have to win this battle at all cost we have to win we cannot afford a lose we cannot afford a loss in this battle somebody shall enter the arena somebody shall enter the arena Somebody shout, enter the arena. What is really troubling me is that if you lose this battle, you become a servant, you become a slave, not by free will. Glory to God. You become a slave not by free will, but by force. And this kind of a slave, or this kind of slavery, the painful part of it is that when you become a servant, the right or your privilege to say yes when you want to say yes and when you want to say no is taken away from you when you are a slave your right to do whatever you want is taken away from you so that means you have to push the agenda of your oppressors and i'm saying it's a system it's more than people it's a system a system that takes away your yes a system that takes away your no where you want to say yes the system is saying no and where you want to say no the system is actually saying yes and you've got no power over your decisions it's a, it's a Goliath kind of a system 
Because if you lose, then you become a slave. And I'm sensing a lot of slavery in this season that we're living in. As long as you are in a system where you don't have the ultimate right to say yes, there's a challenge there. May God give us the grace. Some of our works, it's slavery. I'm going to say it. it it, Sometimes the way we work, it's it's a bit of slavery. You you, you don't have control over your yes. I want to go to church, yes. They will say no, and you can't. But I'm saying to you, may the giant in you be awakened. May the David in you be what? May be awakened. I know, how do you know that you're fighting a giant? <laughs> how do you know that you're fighting a giant? You know that you're fighting a giant because if you win the battle, you have access to a greater reward. But if you lose the battle, you're going to lose your freedom. Because a slave is never free. If you lose this battle, you become a slave. If you lose this battle, your freedom is taken away from you. Your freedom is what? Your freedom is completely taken away from you. And I'm saying to you, in order to win this battle of life, you need courage to act. So everything that happened in the battlefield, the game had to change the moment David stepped on the scene. And I'm trusting God that may certain things change the moment you step on the scene. May certain situations that have been going on for 40 days, for a long period of time, may they change because you've registered your presence. Yeah? May may your presence be the change maker. May may your presence be the, the change bringer. Why? Because David has come. Why? Because David has come. You you know what? I I don't want to miss it because when David came to the battle, he had no mission to go and fight Goliath. So there are times that you are going to step on an environment and, and you have stepped there not because you have an agenda to participate in what is happening there. You have a different mission. But the moment you get there, there is something inside of you that tells you that, you know what, I have to change mission. It's, the, it's you that I'm talking about. You, you enter into church. You, you, you had an agenda to come and worship God. But the moment you step in, you realize that there's something, something, something that needs to be done. You, you realize that there's something. And if I don't do something about it, then something is going to be completely wrong. And I'm saying to you, enter the arena. Enter the arena. What I like about David... David did not wait to be invited to enter the arena. He offered to enter the arena. He negotiated his way into the arena. But you know what? As he was negotiating, age wasn't working for him. Age was working against him. Experience was working against him. His brothers were against him. So in other words, everything was working against him. But still he negotiated his way into the arena. May God give you the grace to be a negotiator. I said may God give you the grace to become a negotiator. May God give you the courage to become a negotiator. 
There are some battles that we are going to win because you have negotiated to occupy the right place. Am I talking to somebody? Even at your workplace, may God give you the grace to be a negotiator. Negotiate your way to the top. I'm saying negotiate what? Your way to the top. But we, we, we tend to miss it because when you're negotiating, always negotiate to solve a problem. And you'll find your way to the top. Go another days when you want to pray, God promote me, God promote me. No, solve a problem. And you'll be amazed at how quick your promotion comes in. David offered to solve a problem. David volunteered to what? To enter the arena and to solve the problem. But that needed courage. It needed, it required courage from David. Now, courage is defined as the ability to face danger and fear without flinching. That's courage. It's the ability to face danger and fear without flinching, without drawing back, without hesitation. You are bold, you're courageous to enter. You don't avoid the battle. You don't draw back. But what I like about David is that his courage was an expression of his confidence in God. The courage of David was an expression of his confidence in God. Because remember, everything was working against him. Age, you're too young, boy. The brothers are saying, you have come to, you have come to watch and David saying, no, 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 I'm not a spectator. I am a participant in the kingdom agenda. When the brothers are saying, you have come to watch us go to battle, David says, no, 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 no. I am a participant in the kingdom agenda. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. But you know what? For Goliath, I, 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 for many years, I thought that Goliath's confidence was in his muscles. Until I, re I to reread and reread this portion of the scripture. And I realized that the confidence of Goliath was not in his physical muscles. The confidence of Goliath was in his armor, in his weapons. He's a strong man. If, if I was Goliath, I, I wasn't going to wear a, a helmet. I would just show my muscles. But Goliath had to wear a head which the Bible had to give dimensions and weights. That it was, it was this weight to protect himself because he wasn't sure that his muscles would be able to fight for him. And he had to cover his, his, his body with a coat of bronze. Of bronze, iron. He had to cover his feet with bronze as well. Hey Goliath, you are strong, you are big. Why, why, why are you wearing all this? You don't need them. Use your muscles. And moreover, you are a good talker. You talk too much. You seem to be good at talking. You insult everybody else and you, 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 your, your level, your anointing of insulting is so powerful it says that everyone runs into the hiding. You don't need the helmet, Goliath. But you know what? Because his confidence was not in himself. But his confidence was in his weapons. But David's confidence was not in his weapon. Because David had a sling. A sling is small. 
A sling is small and anything that is small, it has a connotation of insignificant. Many times things that are small, we think they are, they don't matter. They don't what? They don't make, they don't make a big, big difference. But David had something very small. Why? Because we serve a God who specializes in taking things that are small. Very small. We serve a God who, who has a tendency in their habit of, 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 of locking or depositing, of putting dynamite in small things. How many of us remember the word of God in Micah? Oh, Bethlehem, Ephrata. You are not the least. It was a small town, a small village. Such that when you look at it, when you compare it with the others, with the other tribes, it was, Ephrata was small, was small, was tiny. But inside Ephrata, greatness came out. I remember the other time when I preached this message in here. And I said, oh, Ebenezer, you are not the least among the church. Look where we are right now. I, I, look where we are right now. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be pompous or to, 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 to be proud, but at least let's be grateful to God. We could be small in number, but we are big in influence. Glory be to God. If I were you, I would clap my hands for myself. The, the number of things that other churches are copying from this small church, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at the number of phone calls that I get for people who want the strategies that we're using in this church. And I'm saying, oh, Bethlehem, Ephrata, you are not the least. So when I'm looking at David, David takes a sling, something that is small, that can be considered insignificant. And, and the confidence of David was not even in his sling. But the confidence of David was in God and God alone. But what I like about David, which is what I want to bring home to you, what I like about David is that David, when he was negotiating, when he was presenting his profile to King Saul, he expressed his experience. The experience that he had when no one was watching him. When no one was seeing him. He began to talk about the skill that he developed behind scenes. And he negotiated based on his skill. Do you know that to use a sling, it takes a skill? Because if I've used a sling back home, if you don't have the skill to use it, <laughs> anybody who's been a victim of his own sling, if you are not skilled to use a sling, instead of the stone on the sling to eat something out there, the sling will work against you. Can you see what I'm saying? So when we talk about the sling, please don't underestimate it. It requires skill. And for David to have the confidence to enter the arena with a sling, he was an expert in using a sling. And I'm saying to you, for you to enter the arena, use what you have. What do you have? I have a sling. <laughs> Can I ask you a question as a child of God? What are you good at? Because David, when he offered to enter the arena, he said, I am good at using the sling. And I'm going to use what I am good at to fight the system. Can I ask you what are you good at? 
What is it that God has been developing you behind scenes that requires you now to come on public and use it? Not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of your family, for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of the city, for the benefit of our nations, for the benefit of future generations. What is your skill? Some of you are thinking that you went to school just to benefit yourself. Ah, God has been preparing you. God was working in you, was preparing you. He's like David. God was shaping and molding you and then and enhancing the skill in you of using your, your sling so that when the time comes and the opportunity knocks on the door, you are well experienced. You are ready to enter the arena. A number of battles that we are fighting as a church, they are requiring your skill. I'm not trying to spiritualize things here. Let's be practical. They require your skill. If you have got an expert in leadership, that's your sling. And I'm saying to you, enter the arena in the church and begin to use what you are good at for the benefit and the progression of the kingdom of God. Enter the arena with your skill, with your expertise. Don't look down upon yourself. I'm a nurse. We want your skill in here. You come in, Pastor, I'm, I'm good at my sling. My sling is nursing. So I'm going to be the first aider for church. That's your sling. Use it. That's what you are good at. And I'm saying to you from this day, may, may you refuse to be the one who's going to be a spectator. Enter the arena. I'm saying enter what? Enter the arena. If you are in business, God has been preparing you. Not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the church. Come forward. I'm good at business. The church cannot struggle financially when I'm good at business. I have got the brains to bring money. That's your sling. That's your sling. That's your sling. Some of us, we are social workers. Not me. Collectively, some of us, because they're in here. All right. Some of you are social workers. Others you trouble me after church. Some of you are social workers. We know the struggles, especially the African families are going through their children. Bring your sling into the house of God. Gather the families around. Share with them the do's and don'ts for this land. Because some of them, they are too African. Not in my house. Not in my house. And then in no time, the child is taken by social workers. And we've got people who are expecting you the sling of social work to give you the knowledge that you need so that you can keep your family together. And I'm saying to you, church of the living God, enter the arena. Some of you are good in finances. Experts in finances. You will not miss a penny on accounting. No, no, you will not miss. Bring your expertise into the church of God, into the house of God. Why? Because God was preparing you just like David. He was shaping you and molding you behind the scenes. Some of you, you are experts in prayer. Uh, when you enter into prayer, you travel, you pray, and things change. You've got loads of testimonies behind the scenes. And I'm saying to you, enter the arena now. The times of playing behind the scenes are over. 
the battles that we have now, it requires people that are going to enter the arena. Come forward, gather people that have a heart for prayer. You know, when you are operating the area of your gifting, you don't need so many approvals and protocols. And you must thank God that God bless you, the pastor who, who is not so much doctorated in pro- protocols. I'm not so much baptized in protocols. We consider the purpose, what needs to be done. I've seen so many things suffer or die in the process of protocol. Until people that are experts in using a sling give up and they lose heart because they're waiting for a decision that is meant to be made by someone who has no expertise in that particular area. If you are good at prayer, I'm going to say gather people and pray. What's wrong with that? If you are good in financing, come in, approach us. I'm good at financing. I'm good at books. I know what can be used to make things better in this season, in this hour. And I'm saying to you, what is your sling? <laughs> can you please ask somebody next to you, please? What's your sling? Ask them, what, what, what are you really good at? Everyone is good at something. Don't lie to yourself. And don't lie to the people next to you. You are good at something. What are you good at? I'm saying to you, use what you're good at. (laughs) Use what you're good at and stop comparing yourself with Goliath. Goliath is a spear, is an arrow, is a bow. Don't compare yourself with him. You, You stick to your sling. Because that is what you are good at. As a matter of fact, when David, when they offered David to wear the clothes of Saul, he refused them. I'm not good in these things. Yes, it's normal to wear an attire when you're going to battle. But you know what? I'm not comfortable in here. So in other words, what you are trying me to, what you want me to wear is, is actually going to make me less effective. Not even less effective. It's going to make me not zero effective. So please give me the opportunity to operate in my area of calling, in my area of gifting. What are you good at? I can tell you, uh, Mrs. Chatora is very good at making tea. And smiling. If you are new in this church, please don't go before you drink tea. Just go in the corner there and just test the tea that she, she does. You'll be amazed. She's good at it. She'll be smiling every time. If you see her smiling, you think that she doesn't go through stuff in life. She's good at what she does. Don't look down upon yourself. Some of you, you, are, you, you, you do customer services. I can, that's, 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 that's ushering in church. Yeah, customer service. People are coming in. So where do I sit? Where, is the, where are the bathrooms? You, you show them. Yeah, if, if, if you're working at Tesco, you show people which aisle do I find Cobra. Oh, sorry, Seth. There's the Cobra here. <laughs> this African boy. You, you, you are showing people where things are. Why? Because you are good in customer service. You are good in customer care. And I'm saying to you, when you come into the house of the Lord, refuse for other people to take care of you when you're an expert in taking care of other people. 
Because the problem is you are an expert in that particular area and you are seeing things that are not happening the way they're supposed to happen. And what do you do when you go home? Ah, these church people, I don't understand them. Use your sling. And I'm saying to you, enter the arena. What if you come in and enter the arena? I'm trusting God that from this Sunday, I'm going to be bombarded with people. As a matter of fact, I think after church, the first conversation is not going to be, Pastor, how are you? The first conversation is, Pastor, I'm good at. I'm good at this. And we'll channel you into the right place. We'll channel you to the right place. But you know what? It demands courage. It demands courage. It demands courage, the ability to face danger and fear without flinching. That's why one of our confessions says, I am as bold as a lion. I am fearless and courageous. So I'm not intimidated by the magnitude of the assignment. Why? Because I am fearless and courageous. I'm trusting God that the Goliaths are falling down in this place. I'm trusting God that the, the giants are tumbling down in this place. And when Goliath falls down, your family is going to be safe. Your family is going to be secure. Why? Because you have entered the arena. Can I just encourage you by giving a few examples of people who entered the arena? Moses entered the arena and he had to negotiate the exodus of children of Israel to Pharaoh. It demanded courage. At one time he was talking to God and said, oh, I can't do this. I stammer. I cannot speak. But God had to wake courage in Moses. Until Moses realized that I can do this. I can do this. And what do we see? Moses, Moses went on and he entered what? He came in and he entered the arena. Not only Moses, but Nehemiah. He entered the arena. San Balat and Tobia were talking too much. And the enemies were coming at free will to Jerusalem to destroy it. Abusing the daughters of Jerusalem whenever they want. Until Nehemiah volunteered to enter the arena. He negotiated with the king. Can I go back home and build the walls again? Because I'm good in the area of construction. That's my sling. When you're negotiating, negotiate using your area of gifting. Because the area that you're gifted in, you know what? Grace flows effortlessly. Yeah? For me, preaching is effortless. I know it because I always ask people to preach in the church. For me, from here, I can go to another place and preach a different message. You know, to preach the one that I preached last night. It's my area of gifting. It flows effortlessly. But if it's not an area of gifting, then I have to give you three weeks' notice. Not to preach, but to chair. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say, enter the arena. I'm reminded of a woman called Deborah. A battle is coming. The enemies are coming. And the men, male, they gave up and said, we can't fight this one. And they approached a woman called Deborah. And she offered to enter the arena. 
And when she won the battle, it was not just a, a win for herself, but it was a win for the entire nation. And I'm saying to you, may you enter the arena. May you rise up and enter the arena. It demands courage. Joshua and Caleb have been preaching about this for the last three weeks. Joshua and Caleb, they're willing to enter the arena and confront the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Hivites in Canaan. They were willing to enter the arena. When the other spies were saying, no, we can't do it, we're grasshoppers in their eyes, but they were willing to enter the arena. Battles are won by individuals who are willing to enter the arena. Why? Because there's a courage in you to act, not just to speak, but because there's a courage in you to act. The three Hebrew boys, they entered the arena. They refused to worship the idol. They had courage in them. Can I encourage you? You can do it. Yeah? You, you can do it. You can do it. Samuel, Pastor Lamy, you can do it. You can do it. Mrs. K, you can do it. Yeah? You, you can do it, Mrs. Aigwe. You can do it. You can do it, Mrs. Nyaju. You can do it. Amen. You, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Sunday schools, cross of faith. You can even do it. You can enter the arena. The grace, where are you? You can, you can do it, Lina. You can enter the arena and fight the battles. This has nothing to do with your age. David was the youngest. And they were planning to send him back to, the, to, the, to daddy. But he entered the arena and he won the battle for the rest of the family. And I'm challenging the church of the living God today and saying to you, may you please enter the arena. Gather your courage. Use what you have. Use what you're good at. Can I conclude by saying, you know what? In the sling of David, the sling that David used, when he entered into the battle, David never said, I'm coming against you with a sling. That's not what he said. He is good at using the sling. But as he entered the battle, he never said, I'm coming against you in the name of the sling. But listen to what he said. He says, you Goliath, you are coming against me with a sword and an arrow. Can I demonstrate? Is it okay? It's difficult to, to ask the vice chairman. Can you be Goliath? Then I will make sure it expires as soon as I finish. This is what David says. That's Goliath there. And David is here. <laughs> Praise God. And David stands up and he says, you are coming against me. Can you make some steps coming in? You are coming against me with a sword and arrow, but I come against you. So in other words, David was not just standing still and waiting for Goliath to come. He's coming and he saying, you know what? I'm also going to advance in your direction. Let's meet in there. But you know, there's something that we don't talk about so much. Do you want to go back a little bit? Just here. There's something that we don't talk about a lot. Samuel, can you come here, please? The Bible says, as Goliath was coming here, a shield bearer. David wasn't fighting one person. Is it the same in your Bible, or is it the version from Bedford? The Bible says when Goliath was advancing towards it, when Goliath was advancing towards David, the shield bearer was in front of Goliath. Because Goliath with his helmet, with his coat and his bronze shoes, 
he needed a shield bearer one was holding a big shield here so that whatever weapon david is going to use to attack him before it reaches goliath it must be blocked by a shield from the shield bearer so david wasn't fighting one person david was fighting two people but this is my interpretation this one is a distraction because for david to overcome goliath he needs to go past this one so which means david has to keep his eyes on this one and also on this one no wonder why david says ah, i think the sling is not going to work here i'm going to use it but you know what i'm going to do <laughs> you are coming against me with a sword and arrow but i'm coming against you in the name of jehovah to overcome Goliath, who's going to shoot bear? The <laughs> sling is not enough. You need the name of Jehovah. You need the name of Jehovah. And uh, thank you so much. A name in Hebrew culture is a shorthand of someone's nature. Can I just take a few minutes just to explain this? A name in the Hebrew culture is a shorthand. Of someone's nature or character that's a name it's different to us now God blesses you with a child and then the next time you, you just give a name because your neighbors you, know, you google the name in the Bible times a name spoke of that person's nature Daniel it means God is my judge is making sense why I do what I do. Because my name, it means God is my judge. So for me, God is the final say. So I'm not easily moved by what people say. I'm moved by what he says because he carries the final say. I won't ask you to tell the person who's next to you what your name means. I will not do that. I will not do that. I will not do that. So when David says, you are coming against me with a sword and arrow, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. What David did is he took his sling. And here he took his sling. And he wrapped his string in the nature of God. You see what I'm saying? David took his skill. And he wrapped his skill with the character of God. With the nature of God. I'm talking about a God who is omnipotent. He is all powerful. So he took his sling and he wrapped it. With the all powerful name of God. God is all seeing. And he took his sling and he wrapped it. With the full knowledge of God. So when he is standing against a giant and a shield bearer. He is actually challenging them using the power of God. The unlimited power of God. The limitless grace of God. And he now begins to advance towards a giant and oppressive system. And he enters the arena. When you use the name of Jesus, you're guaranteed of your victory. When you use the name you're going to win the battle. Your win is in the name. 
Your win is in the name. So whatever skill that you have, wrap it in the nature of God. Wrap it in the power of God. Take your, take your skill and soak it in prayer. Soak it in the grace of God. And begin to launch your weapon against the, the camp of the enemy. You'll be amazed at what one stone can do. You think your gift is small, it's insignificant. But you know what? When it's wrapped in the power of God, it will bypass the shield bearer and, and, and not worry about the areas that are covered. It will locate that area that is uncovered. It will locate that area that is most important for your victory. And I'm saying to the church of the living God, enter the arena with the name of Jesus. Enter the arena with the name of Jesus. Enter the arena with the power of God. Enter the arena with the grace of God. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. But my fear is if you don't enter the arena, your decision is going to affect not just you. It's going to affect the multitudes. It's going to affect future generations. Because some children are going to be born as slaves because of the decision made by the parents, by the fathers. What if we make the right decision today for you to enter the arena? Let's rise on our feet. I want you to open your mouth and pray. And say, Lord, give me the courage. I'm not asking you to make a decision to enter, but it's the courage to enter. You've gone past the level of enter. You have to enter the arena because it's a, it's a win or a die here. It's a win or a die. And I'm saying to you, I want you to pray before God and say, God, as an individual, give me the grace, especially in your house, to have the courage to enter the arena. Do I have people that are ready to enter the arena? Do I have people that are saying, Pastor, I'm one of them that you're talking about. I, I, I need to enter the arena. I want you to open your mouth and pray to God. Ask God for the grace. Ask God for the grace to enter the arena. Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description. Until we meet again, may heaven keep smiling at you.